Hey guys, I'm Jason Guyman, host of the King of Pressure Wash podcast. I am a self-employed entrepreneur. I grew my pressure washing business to be a million-dollar business in under five years doing pressure washing and Christmas lights. And now I'm here helping hundreds of pressure washers start and grow their business so that they can be the king of pressure washing in their area too. Today is going to be an awesome show on the King of Pressure Wash podcast. Today, I have Billy Davidson, and he tells his story how he started and grew his business to what he's doing right now. This is going to be an awesome show. Billy, tell me tell me a little bit about yourself, you know, kind of family, all this stuff about you, Billy. Yeah, awesome, man. It's good to be with you, Jason, tonight. Uh, love your channel. Love watching it. Um, so I'm Billy Davidson with David's Pressure Wash Painting right here in Hammond, Louisiana. Um, I'm 45 years old. I have a daughter that's 13 years old. It's just me and her. Uh, so I've been power washing for going on 26 years now. Um, and during that time, we started our parking lot striping business early on. So right now we do mostly power washing with commercial work. We do very little residential only when they, they make us, but uh, we love doing residential, but most of that is for our commercial clients, their personal homes. And then um, we do some uh, sprinkles, some government work in there as well. And here recently this year, I've started a dumpster route cleaning uh, service where we go around cleaning dumpster pad enclosures. So that's been taken off ours. So I just learned something new here today and I didn't know this and he's actually on here right now. And uh, he put the two legends in the game, Mr. Forever Self-Employed. So tell me a little bit, how did you know this dude, um, um, Billy? How, how do you know Forever, forever Self-Employed? Yeah, somehow, I don't remember, one of us contacted each other. He wanted to get some video of our parking lot striping. So um, he uh, came out, filmed a couple uh, striping jobs, kind of hit it off, and uh, you know, the rest of history, we've been hanging out. He helps us uh, do some things with our uh, marketing. He's phenomenal at marketing, and uh, he's phenomenal at putting together those uh, viral videos as well. So other than that, you know, he's just a cool dude, and I think he's got a big future ahead of him, and uh, he's just a lot of fun to hang out with, actually. But he's actually your neighbor kind of, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he kind of lives nearby uh, in the surrounding area. He kind of travels around. Uh, he, you know, he's got several places around Louisiana that he visits. But, um, but yeah, he's in and out quite often. Awesome, awesome. So what? why did you start your pressure washing business way back when, before some people were even born in here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we started back in the early 90s, before YouTube came along, before Google. Um, you know, what our computers wasn't much of nothing back then, so... We kind of had to learn everything about books, and there's not wasn't too many power washing books out there. So the reason why I started it was just out of bare necessity, uh, help provide for myself, help provide for my mom and dad. My mom and dad were uh, quite poor. A um, bunch of kids at home was eight of us growing up. So when we was 14, 15 years old, the boys started ahead at working, and um, I first started a little lawnmower route. So I was pulling a, a push lawnmower behind me on a 10 speed bike with a piece of rope running around town cutting people's grass and i started out doing some just cleaning porches off just for a little homeowner scrubbing and stuff and finally i got an idea that maybe i can get a power washer so 
started looking in some of the magazines back then and found a little two or three gallon per minute power washer. And they were expensive back then because they were kind of rare. Saved up my grass cutting money to buy this little power washer. And uh, my first job was for $50 and um, kind of got a taste of the money. You know, it was like $50. That was a whole day's worth of work back then. And I made it within two or three hours. So my second job was $150. So I was moving on up the ladder. And then my third job was for 17000 And again, I was just a kid with a crew cut. $17,000 was, was like a million back then. So once I made that money, the rest is history. I kind of got in that groove and focused on it. And uh, it was, I wouldn't say it's easy, but it was very doable. Gotcha. Gotcha. And so back then, how did you get customers back then? Oh, man, it was tough. Back then, it was just uh, basically business cards. And I still think business cards is a key to a successful business. And even back then, I would hand out 100 business cards a week. And that was uh, that was my go to thing. If I was uh, going to get work, I had to put those business cards in people's hands and be very persistent with it. You know, now you have Internet marketing, which makes it a little easier. Boots on the ground marketing, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Business cards and hands work back then. It still works today. And and even talking about that, networking works very well also. You know, networking, same way with business cards. You know, if you can, you know, they always say, what what's the saying? You, you surround yourself with the, you know, the five people you want to be like. And so, you know, if you surround yourself with good people and people that are successful, they're going to make you successful. And that is part of the whole part of networking. You know, networking is a great way to get business, you know, and rather that's handing out business cards and networking that way and, and building relationships that way or building them any which way we can build them at the end of the day. So back then, um, you probably, did you ever take an ad out into the Yellow Pages, which some of these people probably don't know what the Yellow Pages are, but did you ever take an ad out into the Yellow Pages? Oh, absolutely. We we finally got into Yellow Pages, and back then, being in the Yellow Pages, having a what they call a half-page ad in the Yellow Pages, you were at the top of the heap. So, you know, you would start out with this little business-sized card uh, ad in the Yellow Pages, and and it worked well. You know, you would get a listing or two in the yellow pages. And then once you generated work from it the following year, and it was a, you, either you got in by April or you was out for the whole year. So, you know, and it was like six hundred dollars to join. So it was a heap of money back then to join it. But getting in a yellow pages was the key. But also back then, radio worked very well. So these local small town radio stations that we had around our area. We would literally go to them. Again, I was just a kid with a crew cut, 19 years old. I'd walk into this radio station and offer to wash their front sidewalks for a little 15-second spot and got told no a bunch of times. But all it took was that one time when I got told, yeah, they, they decided to do a little radio spot for me. And at that point was the tipping point for my business. So that's a good point. You mean you got told no more than once and you went back? Jason, I would say I probably got told 40 times to every one yes. But even in today's day and age, in today's market, with everything going on, all the bad news out there, those yeses can still be life changing. 
Yep, absolutely. And so, but I want to go down the road of you got told no and you kept persisting and you kept pushing and you kept going and and you didn't stop because you got told no and you didn't get your feelings hurt because you got told no. You kept pushing and that is something that you got to do in business. If 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 you just get told no and you tuck your legs or you tuck your tail between your legs and take off, you're probably not going to end up being pretty uh, successful at the end of the day, are you, Billy? Absolutely. I tell guys all the time, you might get told no, and it might hurt your feelings, but you have to be a bit hard-headed in this industry to keep going after these job leads. And eventually, those bad feelings that you get that you know is going to turn into great feelings when you cash in big checks and being able to buy things for cash like new cars. So all those no's lead up to phenomenal success later on and a lot of guys will drop out they get told no a few times they decide to hang the hat up and quit and that's really just the growing pains that you need to go through to get to your success yep and that's what kyle put on here this is why we follow up and that is exactly right you have to follow up and even if you're told no we still want to follow up even when we're told no yeah, a lot of times when a customer tells you no, that means you hadn't did your part on being a good salesman yet. You haven't sold them on what they need to be sold on. Yeah, and I take those no's as a lesson learned to say, okay, I was told no. Why do they say no? Why do they not want these services? And maybe I'll go rethink my approach, rethink my sales pitch, even my marketing material. I might have to tweak that a little bit more, even the tone that I use with the customer. Yep. You know, can tweak. So all of those play a part in, but you got to have those failures to succeed. And it's the only way off. So Central Illinois Power Washing, he's a pretty cool firefighter. He put, um, "Let the nose motivate you." Had nine quote, had nine quotes, um, didn't close a single one, but then had six more and closed five of the six. One was the big forty five hundred dollar job from one yard sign. And that's what I always tell people. It it could be one yard sign. It could be one business card. It could be one ad. It could be one Facebook post that will change the rest of your life um, from that one thing. And you never know what one thing it might be. Like I say, um, I know um, I know one Ben. He one business card basically made him hundreds of thousands of dollars off of one business card or one sign. Jason, I'll tell you something that is mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing for me to even say this. About 11 years ago, I sent two ink pens to a facility maintenance manager. Now, I'm not going to say exactly where it was because you know it's a public public yep. place. Two ink pens with my name and number. And I, would, I haven't added up the numbers, but I probably over the last 11 years have made at least $900,000 off those two ink pens. Yep. Yep. So two ink pens, $900,000, you know, and, and you never know which one is it going to be. Is it going to be a pen? Is it going to be a business card? Is it going to be a sign, you know, and or it might be LinkedIn. Maybe we get on LinkedIn and we start connecting there and build a relationship with somebody that owns or that manages, you know, multi-million dollars facilities and stuff. So you never know where that one relationship that you build could be from. Yeah, you know, every time we've always started major contracts like that, whether it's with a facility maintenance guy or even the owner of the business, they go into 
These guys are multimillionaires for a reason usually. And what they're gonna do, they're gonna start you at the bottom, give you the crap work and see if you can withstand their um, their demands. And once you kind of get through that honeymoon period with them, if you can withstand in there, then usually they would just unfold large contracts. And that's the way it was with us. They gave us some kind of some crappy work, kind of basically cleaning out some drainage dishes and you know, just some work that I really didn't want to do, but I knew the the upside to it, if I could stick in there, they was going to uh, unleash the big work on this. Matter of fact, tonight when I leave leave here with you, we will be working at that same facility doing some parking lot striping. Awesome. So we basically kind of live out there. We're out there two or three times a year, weeks at a time each time. <laughs> Those are the kind of jobs you love, isn't it? <laughs> they came off of two ink pens. We right. them. Right. Well, and not only the two ink pens, I'm sure you've built a relationship with them and you've taken care of them and you may have done stuff for free for them just to keep that relationship going. Or if we screwed something up, you are the first one to make sure that it gets fixed right now. Hey, look, I have had those nights where you come in at 4.30 in the morning because you work all night and at 7.30 they call in because they need you back out there. And that's a tough thing to do is drag out of bed only after two hours sleep, but to go get the, get the crew back up and go back out there because something else has came up for them. But staying in there doing the hard things pays off in the end. I know a lot of guys out there want the instant gratification, and I do too, but sometimes it's just not going to happen like that. It, there is steps to this ladder, and each step leads to a higher place. Yep, I agree 100%. So what's the what's been your best way of getting, I know you probably um, referrals and relationships, but what's been the next best way of getting customers for you, um, of, of getting customers now? I think in today's marketing, you need to be on Google. Um, you need to be on Facebook. I think YouTube is another powerful way of marketing, you know, whether you're putting your business on YouTube. Sometimes YouTube will so, show up in the local searches. So the guys, I, I tell guys all the time, there's three legs to this tool is, you know, Google my business, uh, YouTube and Facebook. Of course, there are a bunch of other ways to market like paid AdWords, which is awesome. But to have that foundation there and then go out in your community and do your yard signs, put magnets on your vehicles, if that's all you can do, hand out 100 business cards a week and maybe even drop another 100 to 200 flyers every week. If you do those things, you will be busy. There's no excuse. Even in in a terrible economy, you will stay extremely busy if you're persistent with that. But what usually happens, a lot of guys, they have this success, and then they relax on that marketing, and then it catches up with them several months later, and they slow down. Yep. And and so, you know, that's one thing I always tell guys. When it's busy time, don't slow down. Keep hammering down on marketing. You know, if, if that's the time to hammer down is when you're so swamped and busy, keep hammering down. Because, you know, everything has seasons. And we have seasons as pressure washers. You know, a lot of guys slow down in June and Ju- or July and August. And it's across the country. You know, a lot of people go on vacation you know, and, and it can slow down there, but it will come back, you know, and this is why I always tell people in May, June, when it's hammering down time, hammer down, keep booking them out into that July and August. So then that way, when you're done, you don't have to worry about slowing down and stuff. So just make sure that, you know, when you're marketing, you're marketing, you know, you don't slow down and stop just because, well, I'm so busy. I'm going to turn everything off. And that's not a good thing. So. No, that's actually the, the exact time you need to keep the pedal to the metal. 
when you are working at six, seven days a week and you doing the 12 hours a day, those are the times where it's easy to stop your marketing, to stop doing the business cards, that sort of thing. Stop doing your five arounds. Don't take it for granted because sooner or later, this is a lag time in this industry. What you hand out a business card today, it might be a job tomorrow, but most often it's a job two or three months from now. Yep, exactly. And you know what I always tell people when you're that busy, start raising your prices because you know what? If they want you, you start raising your prices and then you're like, man, I'm doing a job for $300 and I got a job out here for $1,000. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, when that demand goes up and, and that's the key to this thing is you get enough calls coming in to where um, every job is not a do or die situation for you. And I've seen guys that only get like two calls a week. Well, those two calls mean the world to them. So they got to go out there and cut their prices and oversell over, you know, do things for free. But let's say you're getting 20 calls a week. You know, that's only one twentieth of it. That job doesn't mean the world to you. Now, of course, we want to get as many as we can. But usually the more calls you get in, the more customers you contact. It's a numbers game. You're going to get a percentage of those. So it's just always having that that constant lead flow coming in, and that's the name of the game. Awesome. So I'm just reading something. So um, UZ Marketing can do it. If you want to give me a cup of coffee, you can go to pressurewashhelp.com slash get signs and buy them from UZ Marketing. Um, I appreciate that. Um, what uh, what? So we we talked about getting customers. I mean, I agree a hundred percent. Google My Business can be one of the best things for you. Just make sure that we're asking for reviews, and you know, we're asking for reviews through the whole time, and we're not just going out there and not worrying about that stuff. You know, it's kind of like what you were saying. People get busy and they're so swamped they don't think about that stuff. And it's one of those things that when you don't think about that stuff, and we're not asking for reviews, and we do stupid stuff like not taking our five our pictures and doing our five arounds at the end of the day only thing only person we're hurting is ourselves. you know i always say that pressure washing is the easy part of this job getting the phone to ring is the hard part of the job and all these little things that we do will help us get the phone to ring and to when that phone rings that means our wallet is getting filled up and that's what our goal is at the end of the day yeah, yeah, it's 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 really um, the the if you take anything away from this is when you don't feel like marketing, that's when you should do twice the much as that you would normally do. Just double down on it. Make those posts in the Google My Business. Make the posts on Facebook. Always tagging, posting, and and eventually it starts to compound on itself. And it's easy to get too busy and too tired. And we've all been there. You wet, you're tired, you want to take the shoes off, take a hot shower, get something to eat, and you want to hit the sack. But those are the nights you need to be posting in to Facebook all your before and after pictures. Yep. I agree 100%. 100%. Um, Mr. Choclean, super stoked. Um, this is a great interview. Um, so what... Tell me one thing that you failed in your business over the 26 years in business. Um, I think I failed at uh, early on. I was trying to do too many things at one time. Uh, now, like I said, we mainly uh, focus on pressure washing and parking lot striping. And I notice a lot of guys are adding parking lot striping to their business, which is a great thing. But early on, I was very, very ambitious and I still had doing a little grass cutting. 
And then I got a bright idea to do chimney sweeping. And I don't know if you're familiar with that, Jason, but it's when you climb on a roof and you put the brushes down the fireplaces and it paid a decent, but there was so much that needed to be done and so involved in that business. I kind of slacked on pressure washing. So I think I lost about a year to maybe 18 months there in my pressure washing because of the chimney sweeping. So what I did, I ended up selling that business. And when I was able to focus directly on my pressure washing and being focused like a laser beam, that's when I started my business started taking off. And, you know, I think what one thing guys can take away from this is don't be so scattered around. If you're going to do something, try to focus on one or two things and then just stay on it really heavy. Yep. And I my next question was, is what what are the three things you learned from that failure, which you are talking about it right now of? is, you know, focusing is very important. When we try to start doing a little bit of everything, we fail at everything is usually what I say. And so when you start focusing on what you're good at, then at that point, you will be able to um, be able to grow everything at that point versus trying to spread out. You know, I did deck, I did deck restoration for a year. And was it good money and did it keep me busy in the summertime? Yes, but it took my focus off of other things that I wasn't good at, you know. And it was, at the end, I hated it. It sucked, It's you know, and it was just one of those things. I'm like, I'm not doing deck cleaning no more, you know, or deck restoration. And, and, when, and what's stupid about this stuff is, too, sometimes the money will be really good, too, you know. Um, like kind of like you're saying, you know, I started out, I was at like five, six dollars a square foot for cleaning and sealing a deck. When yeah. I quit, I was at eight, nine dollars a foot and people were still buying it. And it's like, yeah. I don't want it no more. Yeah, you was trying to talk about of it. <laughs> Actually, that's a good price. Eight to nine dollars a deck and deck restoration. That's tough work. It's, it takes a special mindset. You really need to be focused on it. So. It's hard to do that and pressure washing and other stuff. So, yeah, stay focused. And that goes with the marketing, too. You know, stay focused like a laser beam on that marketing. And um, and it it, it, paid, it will pay off. You know, things have to be cleaned very often in most parts of the United States. Usually a house about once a year. Some people want it done every six months. Uh, we got a couple customers about every three months. They have us out doing their stuff. So staying focused and keeping up with those customers is really important. Now, if you kind of scattered brain doing a bunch of other stuff, you're going to bound to drop the ball in some aspects of your business. And that's going to cost you big time in the end. So I'm going to get off. I'm going to steer a little bit off subject because this is kind of funny right here. Um, one of my one central Illinois power washing sent me a thing the other day. And he actually posted it here. And, and I want to know if you've ever done this, if you've ever done it. Or if it's ever happened to you, Billy. So right. my biggest failure was not changing my leaky hose or changing the O-ring out on my um on, and getting chemical and burning the old little pride and joy. Oh man! <laughs> hey, we've all been there. You're trying to make it the last thirty minutes to finish up a job, and you're winging it with a leak or something. Yeah. Uh, hey, it's it's you know I find you know when you come across the issue like that. Just stop and get it fixed because it can cause more harm than good. Yeah, you don't want the little mister get hurt in the end, and that's what happened. You don't want no chemical burns, and especially on there. So, yeah, one time I had a leaky pump up spray that kind of burnt down my armpit a bit, and uh, that makes for a miserable couple nights. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's kind of like the guys that all want to do the backpack spray. And I'm like, that's nice until that sucker gets a leak and goes right down your uh, your butt. Yeah. Oh, man, third-degree burns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that makes no fun. I know. Sure. Yeah, I hope if I hope y'all are yeah, like uh, Mr. Uh, Cho Clean says, hit the like button, please. I'd appreciate that. Um, so um so what what is if you were a new guy, if you were starting all from scratch, what is what is one thing or two that you would do to try to either get business or learn how to do the business? I would say, you know, the marketing and the pressure washing. So, you know, you got the, the physical work and then you basically got the mental work. The mental work, like you said earlier, Jason, is much tougher than the physical work. Um, so what I would do, learn your business, learn uh, the equipment, learn your cleaning soaps. So when you do go talk to a customer, you can talk with a little bit of confidence. It doesn't take long to get there, especially with all the help out here in, on the Internet. And then the marketing, I would say if there was three things that I would do, like we just talked about in marketing, you do your Internet-based stuff, that's Google, Facebook, and YouTube. But also make sure your vehicle has some signage on it. I see guys riding around out of work with no signs on their vehicle. You would think it would be obvious, but save, scrape up some money, get some signs on your vehicle, but also the yard signs. And the yard signs are a phenomenal and very powerful way to market your business. But those yard signs need to be really, really simple. A lot of guys want to make the mistake of putting the www at the bottom, which is, you know, really not that important at 55 miles an hour. What? You mean you don't want to put 10 services on your yard sign? No. Yeah. You, what we do, we... We are so specific with our signs, and we get a lot of business off our signs. I even got a, a video teaching where we put our signs. But like we do power washing, we don't even put the ING on washing. We just try to keep it power wash and a phone number. Customers ain't dumb. They know what it is. But if you start adding all kinds of logos and colors and websites and multiple phone office, fax, sell, no. You make it really, really simple, even down to a point to where if you don't have to put your area code in there, you know, some areas got these wide geographic areas where there's only one area code there. Um, don't put your area code in there. Just put your seven digits in there. The less, the better for that, because you got to realize these guys getting off of work. I read a, um, a study one time, even a brain surgeon that works at the top of his game, maybe in an operating field doing brain surgery, the top of his game. As soon as he's off of work and he gets in his car, he goes down to about a fourth grade thinking level. Yep. So 55 miles an hour or at a red light, your sign needs to be very simple. Just think of the soccer mom with two screaming kids in the back. She's not worried about all that other stuff. She needs to be able to see what you're doing and absorb it and move on. And it's too complicated. You start putting a bunch of websites and multiple phone numbers on it. Yep, that's what uh, Flying Jay's press Washington's put. He sounds like Jason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we've we've had these one yard signs. I got a yard sign right now that I've been just keeping track of what I made off this one yard sign. It started out with about forty eight hundred dollars. 
Now we up to about twenty one thousand off this one yard sign, and it's still there. Yep, and that and and it don't. I love. I mean, we're in an area where we we're in a tri state, so we got three different states, so we can't just do a um, knock out the eight five nine number because we are in. You know, we got Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana right here, and there's all three different zip codes. But I love the idea of not even putting the zip code if you can, you know, because. All we want is is the, the the number and a big what we do. You know, I love these guys. They they get on here and, and they'll put three, ten different services on this sign and you can't even read it. Look sitting here, let alone being in a car driving past it, you know. Or sitting in a car with a, a few screaming kids and your cell phone's ringing and, you know, you're looking at the light to turn. And you see the sign there. It needs to be really, really simple, like fourth grade simple. And how many signs should we? How many signs should we be putting out? Just like two or three, or should we try to put out more than that? I would say the more the better. Now, um, you need to pick these spaces that you put these signs very carefully. Obviously, there's some rules and regulations in a lot of areas. Then you got the sign, uh, please to sign thievers. That they are still. But look, if you can put out 10 signs a week, that is, that's a lot better than three signs a week. I always tell people put out 25, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah put, depending on your area, if you've got a wide enough area to, to put it. I have seen guys put multiple signs back to back, and it seems to work really good, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how I've, I mean, I, my very first year, I did over $30,000 just from signs, you know. And, and I wasn't even trying hard. <laughs> I didn't know, and I was cheap back then too. I was a ninety-nine dollar guy there for a while. That's how you started out. Yeah, that's when I first learned. Um, I have a question for Billy. Uh, we did a live. I stress the importance of building a relationship with the customer before selling. What is his take on that process? What's your take on the process of building a relationship? with the customer before just selling wise the selling process I think it, it has a value in it but jason i have noticed that you know customers are sophisticated so if you go overboard with it they detect that so you want to be very uh very thorough when you explain something to a customer um the more you know about the science of the chemicals that you use and the science of the mildew that you're removing the better because always knowledge sells but don't go too, too far with it, but don't be too dry with them either. You're going to have to find that special place in there, and every personality is different. So when you develop that sales pitch, it's genuine. Be genuine um, and be upfront and be truthful because customers can detect it every time if you otherwise. Yep, I agree. Um, Bazviz asked, um, what's the best size for the sign? I like the 18 by 24s myself. 18 by 24 is a good sign. Um, they're not too small. They're kind of somewhere right there in the middle. Um, you know, and if you get them too, too big, you're going to start attracting too much attention from people that may not want that sign there. So, you know, try to put them in the areas to where, um, you know, it's not going to be a nuisance to someone, but but still be able to stay around at least for a few days. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so we're talking about signs, and if and you were a new guy, what kind? Of, if you were starting all over, what kind of equipment would you start out with? Would you start out with um, some major thirty-five thousand dollar rig, or how would you start out? Or if you had some money, say if you had fifteen, twenty thousand dollars, how would you spend that money starting out a new business? I think I would start out if I had. Let's say if I even had 
8,000, 9,000, 10,000, I would probably put a small fraction of that in equipment. And that may be surprising to a lot of people because I've seen these guys with the $50,000 rig and they are sitting at home. And then sometimes we buy some of their equipment off of Craigslist when they go out of business. So um, the equipment is not going to bring you money into your bank account. It's the marketing that is. So obviously you got to have a strong enough pressure washer to do your soft washing, your downstream and uh, maybe a little soft wash pump, maybe put two, three, four thousand dollars at the max and then to spend the rest in Google, Facebook, marketing, business cards and go crazy with the marketing. That way the equipment can work. And then later on, after you make a few hundred thousand dollars, then go get the pretty toys. But <laughs> just get what works. Yeah, I was actually talking to Greg Townsend. He, uh, um, I did a video with him, and he has about two thousand dollars worth of equipment in the back of an old pickup truck, and he's made almost twenty-two thousand dollars in three three and a half months. So you know, you don't need a whole lot of equipment to make a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, truth be told, you can go out there with a pump up spray and a couple garden hoses and a brush and wash a vinyl side in the house. You know, so I see people with the excuses of, well, I don't have the equipment. Um, I don't, all I have is a thousand dollars. Hey, you can go rent something if you got to get to work, get the calls coming in, go bid the jobs, get them scheduled, figure out the equipment. Because you can get it, you know, the work is the most important thing. <laughs> Jason put, uh, um, quit talking about prices. Christina is listening. <laughs> that's his wife. Uh, that's funny. But, <laughs> but uh, there's Greg. I, I hadn't seen you on here yet. Must be, he had, his dad had surgery. So, uh, but yeah, so that's a good point of, you know, and, and I agree, you know, does equipment make things quicker and a lot faster than that? Yes. But, you know, I'm I'm with you, David. I've seen some of these guys go out here and spend $30,000 and $40,000, and they have the most beautiful rig out there. But, you know, I'd rather you spend ten to fifteen and put 25000 in marketing, and then you'll have a real business at the end of the day. Oh, yeah. And, you know, right now the SBA has been handing out money pretty heavily over the last few months. If some of the guys got the SBA loan, um, I, I know someone that works with SBA directly and they tell me, hey, some of these loans been going out pretty religiously and fluidly over the last few months. The guys need to take that and don't look if you spend over 40 percent of your money in equipment, you probably need to scale back that equipment purchase and focus on getting the calls coming in first. Yep, because if you can't get your phone to ring, that's a whole nother issue. I mean, that sucks when the rig's just sitting there in your driveway. Yeah, it does. And and that's what happens, you know. And then we get we get then they get usually, you know, they get whatever and go from there. So Yeah, well, you know, unfortunately some of them find these uh expensive rigs to buy online that's already put together and which those are great. But when they get them home, they can't work them, and they start piece selling them out, like pulling tanks off, selling the tanks separately, and you know they've only got pennies on a dollar of what they paid for because they can't can't get it to work because they didn't do the marketing part of it. Yep, and as Greg puts, the only the only one who cares if you have a twenty thousand dollar rig is your ego. Hey, ain't that the truth? That's right. <laughs> hey, it's it's nice pulling a nice rig around, showing it off. You know, stopping it somewhere to get something to eat. Nobody's looking at your stuff. But I, the best rigs I see is the ones that's got some rust on it and been beat up back and you know up and down, and you know they've been working. 
All right, Trey's got a good question here for you. What's the biggest job financially you've ever done? The biggest one I have done uh, in one single setting was about two hundred and fifty-five thousand. Nice, nice. Yep. How and long that did that job end up taking you? Um, that one was surprisingly pretty quick. We spent less than a month on it. Gotcha. And we did have several other crews come in and help, so you know the profit margin was probably somewhere around half. Um, but it, it did open up a lot of doors. It was government jobs, so that's a whole other sector of pr- pressure washing and parking lot striping that a lot of guys haven't tapped into, but it's definitely good to learn how to get those government contracts. Have you done a lot of the government contracts? Yeah, yeah, we definitely have. We currently still do. Some of them don't even allow us to bring our cell phones into the facility. Um, So obviously can't put anything on YouTube. Some of the places that we work at, um, we really uh, not, we highly uh, recommended us not talk about it, you know, but you know, it's uh, basically the same type of stuff, surface cleaning, washing buildings, uh, hangers, inside of hangers, that sort of thing. So you can about imagine what we're up to. And uh, I would love to put it on YouTube because it would get crazy views. Some of the stuff we've seen, you know, it's been amazing. And how did you end up getting those jobs? Did you end up getting them through a, a contact that you knew that did that kind of stuff? Or did you actually put in quotes to find it on like, gov, gov, whatever, however, I, I know there are different places to get those. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a whole process of signing up for the federal government. Usually there's three tiers to it. You can sign up with the federal government on their vendors list. They're going to vet you hard. Believe me, they will check you one way up, down, the other. Um, then once you get on the federal vendors list, you need to be on your local state or however many states you want to work in. So we've got on several states, Louisiana, Mississippi, Arkansas, and Texas here. Those are all within striking distance from us, and they have a lot of military bases here in the South. And then you can go a step further and get on your local county website vendors list for, for their government work and, and even your local city. Um, the biggest help that you can get, I know during the uh, shutdown and all right now, it might be a little difficult, but your local librarians are really good at helping with that and your local congressman. I mean, that's why we pay their salary. You can actually, um, maybe once things settle down, you can walk into your local Congress office and uh, they can definitely help you assist in getting on these uh, government listings. That's awesome. Yeah, and like I say, there's other websites I know out there that you can get on that will also get you that. Um, the biggest thing is, is when you're bidding those, you know, a lot of them have their what they want, bid what they want, you know, right? Is that correct? If I, you know, you don't want to go bidding a bunch of extra stuff because they haven't gotten it approved and, and it's a whole approval process bullcrap for a lot of these people of, you know, if they want this clean and using this process and that, that's what you got to do. You can't, you know, you got to, they, it's pretty much written down what you got to do. And you go asking other things, it, all you're going to do is lose a bid at that point. It sure will. Yeah. Everything's spelled out to a T when they send you these bid request forms. Um, you fill them out, and then usually you go to a pre-bid conference, and that's basically fancy word to walk around a job with a bunch of other people. At that point, you're not allowed to have signs on vehicles or logos. So a lot of people see magnet signs on our vehicles, and they wonder why. It's because when we do work on government facilities, you're not allowed to have that sign, and so they make you take it off. So if I did a wrap, you know, I couldn't use that vehicle there. So um, you're not allowed to have logos, even a pre-conference bid. 
But basically, you walk around and they always choose the lowest qualified bidder. But the operative word is qualified. A lot of times you get 10 guys bidding on one government job, but only eight of them actually, uh, I mean, eight of them be disqualified before they even submit their, their first quote. So then you only have two qualified bidders there, and then they pick the lowest one. Right. Basically, everybody knows government likes to pay a little more, so our quotes are usually a bit more percentage-wise than if you was doing, like, Mrs. Jones' house, you know. Well, a lot of times you got to do a bunch of hoops and loops that you got to jump through with it, too. You know, it ain't, it isn't just like Mrs. Jones' house where you can go spray and go because they got, they got more rules to know. And that goes into play with, you know, when you're playing with the government, you know, you're not going to just go there and um, look like a chuck in a truck and think you're going to get it and clean it at that point, you know. Uh, they like I said, they vet you pretty heavily. Um, also, uh, there are things like Title Thirty Eight that you got to do, and that's just uh, legal jargon for stuff with the government. You actually, before you start some government jobs, you apply a lien to the job. Um, it's it's just a weird process. In the end, it works out. It pays really good. I mean, one job can buy you a new home, so um, it it is worth it. But I tell guys all the time, go ahead and cut your teeth in a residential, move to commercial, maybe get some money in the bank, get a good crew around you before you go to tackle the government jobs. But once you do get those a little money in the bank, some good equipment and a good crew there, go ahead and try for the government because government's a, you know the biggest spender in the country if by far. So there's buildings all over your state, town and county that you pass by daily and you might not even know what it is. But it's a government facility, and uh, they, they needs cleaned, and they might need parking lot strike, might need the shingles cleaned on it. So it's definitely something to start looking into. Talking about that, um, this I'm going to move a little bit because you were telling me about this the other day um, when I was on the phone with you. Tell me about how did you get into the dumpster pad cleaning route deal? Yeah, we basically kind of stumbled into that. I've always cleaned the dumpster pad here and there for commercial buildings. Uh, we had a call. Uh, from a very upset property manager that she had just received an incredible fine for having her dumpster um, area not tidy and not cleaned up. So when Matt Witter, I seen the fine, it was like a $1,500 fine that may vary in different uh, you know, municipalities and stuff. But they was also going to fine her daily after that if the dumpster wasn't clean. Like so many business, they got like five business days to get it done. And then after that, it's like $250 a day on top of the fine she had. So she was really upset. So we cleaned not only that dumpster pad, but several other properties. She was like, well, let's go ahead and get them all cleaned up. So we started cleaning them and it kind of gave me an idea. I said, well, maybe I can approach other property managers, other property owners, even um, some of these fast food joints and tell them, hey, you know, we can come in uh, every so often, keep their dumpster pads clean. And um, so we started doing that. We do dozens of them a week and make incredible amount of money. And I'm currently training other guys how to do it all over the country. They are having phenomenal success with a lot of these guys. I know one guy that's making $2,200 a week profit now doing dumpster pads. And he had a job that he ended up quitting because he was only making $500 a week at that job. And every time he went into the job, they didn't like him. He didn't like them. They were yelling back and forth with each other. He was miserable. Now he's going to do his dumpster clean at night. He's much happier for it. 
And that's a good point too of, you know, two grand a week or whatever you're making, you know, and that's reoccurring money, you know, and at the end of the day, reoccurring money is a beautiful thing. You know, if you have employees, if you have different things, you know, reoccurring money will pay those salaries at that point. And that way that's money you don't have to worry about um, at the end of the day. Yeah. I, 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 the way I look at it, Jason, is I need an X amount of dollars to keep the lights on. Yep. Anything over and beyond that is my pay. Like my guys get paid before I do every time. You know, so far, so good. I still get paid every week, but I would not take my salary to keep my guys busy. So every dollar above that is a powerful dollar. It's a dollar that you don't have to, uh, to worry about. You can sleep better at night. So if you let's say if five thousand is your number and you need five thousand dollars a month to keep the insurance paid and lights on, and you know that's secure by cleaning dumpsters or doing fast food restaurants or whatever, um, then the other jobs that you go quote is not a do or die situation. You kind of got your foundation built, and that gives you the opportunity to springboard and take a swing at some bigger high ticket items, and then you not have to be the lowest bidder all the time, and then you walk in with confidence. Because you're not broke, you're not hungry, yep. and when you get to that point, really doors start to be kicked open for you. And it's a weird thing is when when you get that momentum going forward, the momentum you're the only person really that can wreck the situation, you know. But get that foundation built, get those reoccurring dumpster pads, storefronts, whatever have you, that that steady money coming in, and then springboard forward from there. So, and this is a good question because I've done it too, but I, I, um, how do you handle moving the dumpster around before and after cleaning? You don't move the dumpster. (laughs) We don't move the dumpster. We, um, we pretty much say in our contract, we're not going to move anything that's not on wheels. And if it weighs less than 80 pounds, we'll try to drag it back and forth. Now, um, you know, you give and take on that, you know, like we have in our contract, pick four bags of trash up. So we just snow shovel it into the dumpster. Um, you know, some of these uh, fast food restaurants, they got the teenage girls working there. They're not all that strong. Maybe they can't get the bag into the dumpster and we'll go ahead and throw it in their farm. Um, now, if in severe case, if you get out there and it's got 40 bags of trash out there, it's already in the contract that we are going to have to charge an extra service charge to pick up. And, up. and most of the time they do it because they don't want, they don't want the fines from the city. Yeah, and it's a good thing to spray some bleach in there beforehand too, so that way it don't stink so bad. Well, we we hit it with hot for sure, and you know once once you start doing them, it's uh you know it's not too bad if you're doing them every so often, reoccurring. They kind of not never get too too bad, but the first couple times a little rough, but after you get past that hump, it's uh pretty easy after that. Yep, yep. So. If you all, I, we've been we've been on forty five minutes here. We got over one hundred twenty five people in here. So I'm gonna plug you a little bit. Um, if if you want to go check out Billy's channel down below, go check it out. Um, he's got a. When's your course coming out on striping? When when's uh, when's Aaron Aaron going to get his butt moving and get it done? I tell you what, he is a genius. Um, he's working on it now, uh, but he's really smart. Aaron's putting it together. I'm a, I'm an old country boy. I'm just going to throw something together and put it out there. Aaron's very meticulous, but I think he's got everything he needs or just close to it. So he's working at it on at his own pace, but I guarantee when it comes out, it's going to be perfect. Because you know, you know Aaron personally. He's a perfectionist, so he's going to get all this straight. And so I'm thinking maybe – 
somewhere by the end of August, hopefully we'll have it out. Awesome. And what all are you going to go over about? Are you, I'm assuming it's going to be about all the equipment you need and everything along the, you know, everything along those lines. Yeah, we're going to leave no stone stone unturned. We're going to go uh, how to let, do the new layout. So if you find these new parking lots, there's no lines on it, brand new. How to do that. How to even do it without a machine. If, if a guy wants to start out and uh, do a few small ones without a machine just to make some money, he can do that. We're going to talk about what paints to use, what paints not to use, stencils. We are very extensive. We're even going to go over some pricing and even marketing in there as well. And on just give me a little information about um, some um, striping. What 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 is your average job for a a striping job? I would say the the average. Now, of course, we get a few here and there that's six or seven hundred dollars, but those usually take 20, 30 minutes to do. Um, but I would say our average is a minimum of around three thousand. And um, goes on up. Like right now, we're doing one close to forty thousand, and this is our third night on it. We'll be done tonight. And what all? Do, what all is entailed in, into striping? Do you have to clean it beforehand, or is it something that you can blow off and you're painting over top? Or what? What is the sequence of of cleaning a parking lot? Yeah, sometimes you can just go in there and power sweep the lines with a good broom and a blower. You know, get put some uh, elbow grease into it. But there are other times you have to go in and power wash just the line itself. So basically, that's when the old yellow tip kind of comes in handy. We throw the yellow tip in it, pull the trigger, and walk just the line itself. Not Don't get any on the outside because it'd be obvious then. And power wash and clean just that line. Let it dry for a day or so, and then it's ready to stripe. And what kind of – so you said you could do it without – um, equipment you can do it without the high dollar equipment what are some equipment that if you wanted to spend you know what kind of figure are you looking at to get into it to start um, striping I, if a guy is not afraid of work guy or girl because I, I, I just taught a, a husband and wife team how to do this um, they're making two or three thousand dollars a month extra this little side hustle they don't have a machine uh, it's a few rolls of tape to write paint rollers, write paint brushes, a couple stencils, and some elbow and uh, with knee pads, you know, and get out there and get it done. So it doesn't take much. I think for under $250, you can start striping some like little small dentist offices, that sort of thing. So my question, I seen you just did a video. And again, you can go check out his channel link down there after this. His channel is um, linked underneath here. Um Tell me a little bit about that machine that you did that one. You said it cost what five or six thousand dollars for that machine. Yeah, yeah, that's that's one of the big boys. It's like a Titan twenty eight fifty. They make them a little bit bigger than that, and they make some smaller ones. We particularly like that uh, weight because it's kind of a, a medium weight. It doesn't bounce too much in the parking lot, um, but it's not too heavy to push. So uh, that machine can do anywhere from between a thousand and fifteen hundred lines per night. Uh, with one guy pushing it, of course, he'll walk a lot of miles, but um, it's not too bad, you know, once you get it going. And that machine, like I said, is a Titan 2850. Um, they generally run between five and 6,000, depending on what attachments you get. There's some lasers that you can put on it. That's really not needed to start out with. But those machines are phenomenal machines. They uh, spray most of all parking lot striping paint. Parking lot striping paint is totally different from house paint or 
any other paint is more like a glue versus a paint. What kind but of tell, Let's talk a little bit about the paint. What what all kind of paint is there? Is there like is it a special paint that you have to use, or is it? Tell me a little bit about the paint. Yeah, the paint. All traffic. Uh, all, all parking lot paints considered traffic paint, and it's DOT approved, which Department of Transportation. Uh, that paint is totally different than. Uh, you know, like your wall paint or, you know, other paint that you paint around the house. It's just got some additives and some bonding agents to it. And it only comes in four different colors as well. So there's only four different colors in, um, I'm assuming white or white, yellow and blue. And what's your fourth one? Red for fire lanes. Red fire lane. Okay. So, and, and where, where do you get this paint at? Um, there's several places you can get it. Home Depot and Lowe's sells a version of DOT traffic paint. Um, most of our professional stripers will buy their paint, like from Sherwin Williams or someone that some of those type of stores. Pittsburgh also. Now, do you a, buy it in like 55 gallon drums, or are you just buying it in five gallon buckets? Yeah, we can buy it by the 55 gallon drums. The only thing is kind of hard to get it out of there because it's so thick. So we do buy it by five gallon buckets, but usually we buy pallets of it. Gotcha. Now, do you got to thin it down at all, or is that just what it is? Is what it is. Yeah, when you first start striping, um, the paint has a certain viscosity to it, but parking lot paint is inherently made to dry fast. So it dries fast in the bucket that you're striping out of. So the bucket basically rides on the back of this big machine. And it starts to dry out. So every now and then we do have to reconstitute it either if we're using latex or use water or if you're using all base or reconstitute it with like mineral spirits. And it's about, uh, you know, maybe a cup or two per hour that you've got to add to it because it's trying to dry and cure in the bucket as you're using it. Uh, yeah. And so so you can use because somebody asked and that was a good question. Is the paint water based or oil based? Two different types. Look, there's paints that are all based. Um, there's paints that are uh, latex, there's paints that are acetone-based, which is a pretty harsh chemical if you're not familiar with it. They even make some paints that have ammonia in it as well. And those are just catalysts for the paint to uh, to be moved and sprayed through the machine. But uh, for the most part, we use all base and latex-based. And it basically depends on what the customer, like you were saying, with government work, we get these very, very specific specs or what paint to use. Ironically, some organizations and departments of like the Defense Department want us to use latex, but then someone else may want us to use all, all base. But we have to hear whatever the specs they want. Even if our opinion differs, we got to use what they want. Um, Beth asked a good question as um, how long does the how long does the stripe last or how often are we repainting these stripes? Well, that's a great question from Beth. Um, in a, let's say a 24-hour gas station, it might need to be restriped every two to three months. Gotcha. But if you have like a, a low-key doctor's office, they might can go about a year and a half. On average, about every 12 months, uh, usually we're restriping our commercial accounts. Gotcha. Flying J put, um, you know it's bad when this is like your favorite TV show. You're waiting for Jason to go live. Hey. <laughs> Join the crowd. <laughs> yeah, we, we love the lives, Jason. You're going to keep doing it for a while, I hope. Huh? Oh, yeah. this is. I'm planning on keep right on moving, man. And I love bringing people on. I think this is how information can be a great way that I can help you and you can help me. And I think everybody and I can help people grow their business because at the end of the day, 
my thing I want to do is make sure people are successful and I want to be able to be, bring successful people on and I want to bring to new people on. So then that way I can help new people to be able to grow their business and, and, you know, let them, you know, some people have failures early and some people have failures later, you know? And so this is something that I love to do in that. Um, a little bit more, what, what, um, how, how do you usually get your parking stripe um, customers? I'm going to assume it's probably kind of like the way we get commercial business, which it's a little, might be a little bit different, but we do a lot of email marketing and that kind of thing to get it. I'm going to assume you probably do a little bit more either through networking or people know you because you've been doing it so long. Yeah. Yeah. What you, what you normally want to do, usually when you're working at a commercial facility, you want to try to find out if they have any other commercial properties in the area that they are networking with or affiliated with. Those are good uh, bridges to make, you know, between one facility manager and another. Also, like you said, the, the email marketing is very powerful. If you get a really good email list and just hammer away on it, also you can just go down to your, uh, just ride around and look. And let's say if you find a target that needs to be restriped, you know, just ride around watching and looking up, you know, making sure you, uh, identifying these places, writing them down, and then going in and approaching the general manager, the property owner, or if it's a mall manager or someone like that. And then a lot of times you hand them a flyer or a business card, but grab their business card in return. That is the most important thing because on, usually on that business card, uh, you have an email, cell phone, that sort of thing, and we'll just follow up with them. If we don't hear nothing from them in 30 days, we'll follow up with them again. Now, so is you, there any code that they have to do it so often or like ADHD codes or any of that that is like a legal sign of reasons why they have to have it done? Yeah, the ADA codes and the fire lane markings are all dictated by state, federal, and local code. Uh, ADA is definitely federal code. It's the American Disability Act. Um, those blue markings that you see in a parking lot is ADA markings. If you're not familiar with it, those have to be uh, well kept and very visible. Some of them even have to have a non-slip surface applied to them. So those are reoccurring contracts that they are forced to do. But in general, if they are doing the ADA markings in the parking lot, they'll probably get you to do the rest of the parking lines as well. And there's other things in that parking lot that you can upsell on like painting light pole bays, painting curbs, doing pothole repairs, if you will, doing some curb repairs. So those are those tickets can turn into the tens of thousands of dollars very quickly. I was just going to ask about the poles because a lot of times you'll have the blue pole right by the thing or different, even the bases of the light poles. I didn't even think about that, but that does make sense. And that's probably just another way to do it. Is there, I'm assuming, is there something that you got to put in that paint to, uh, or do you put sprinkle something on top of it if it is um, um, for the non-slip? Yeah, yeah. There, there's the additives that you can have put into the paint at the paint store, or you can do the additive there on the job. It's just these little jars that we mix in the paint. Um, it makes an extremely non-slip surface throughout the life of that paint, and that's what's important. Some people think broadcasting some sand on top of wet paint is good enough. But as soon as that paint starts to wear, those sand particles are going to come off. So it's best to have those particles throughout the bucket of paint. And anytime we're doing a non-slip surface, we have to apply that by either brush or roller. You really can't spray that through the machine. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And that's good, good, um, good thing there. Um, 
So that, what is it? I am new. I'm going to try the live American dream and go into business for myself. Thank you, Jason and Billy. Um, so that's very interesting. So again, if you, after this video, you can go out, check out um, his channel in there. He does have a whole resource of stuff. Obviously he's going to have a, um, of some videos coming out for the striping stuff and that can make you, um, on, on average, if somebody hustled it, how much could you make just doing parking striping? We know guys that are doing, um, 10 or $15,000 every few months, um, all the way up into, you can get into, you know, half a million dollars a year. Right now we, uh, we do about a quarter of a million dollars a year in striping. And that's on purpose. We could scale that up a little bit, but uh, that would require us kind of making us travel a little bit more going out of state. Because ironically, we get calls from other states. I guess like we write down here in Louisiana, but we get calls from Tennessee, Virginia, North Carolina, Florida, Texas, all over the place, pretty much begging us to go stripe their facilities because they can't find people there locally to do it. So it's a true untapped market. Awesome. Awesome. So if you're looking into getting into it, make sure you check out his channel and make sure you check out when his stuff comes out to make that happen. Um, do you plan to offer contract templates for the pressure washing and striping? I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Jason yeah. said 80, ADHD. Yeah. <laughs> hey, some of y'all do have ADHD, so I don't want to hear it. So uh, <laughs> I just can't remember everything um so this is an awesome talk billy um i know you you know life throws you curveballs and and obviously you have been throwing a curveball can i hear a little bit about the story about your curveball that um came your way a couple years ago you was telling me about yeah in 2017 it was uh december 30th remember today like it was yesterday obviously i woke up I was uh, getting ready to go do some parking lot striping on a government facility and um, really cold that morning. And um, I was kind of like everybody else. They had me a cup of coffee fix. I was watching some old Elon Musk on the YouTube because I'm into rockets and science and stuff. And uh, I noticed I had some blackness at the top of my vision in both eyes simultaneously. And I thought it was just being from overworked and tired. A few minutes later, the blackness got even more. It was about covering about 40% of my vision. At that point, I knew it was an emergency. So I went ahead and uh, put a phone call into my brother-in-law, which was happened to be a physician, um, told him about it. He immediately come pick me up. Within about 20 minutes, I was totally 100% blind, black, total darkness, freaking out, panicking. You can imagine everything. Both my retinas had come undone, detached, uh, went to multiple visits, multiple scans. They told me I'll probably never be able to see again, which is devastating to hear. Um, run across this one doctor that was just phenomenal. He went ahead and took the risk to start doing some retina surgeries on me. And now I can walk around unassisted. Um, like I have a bit, bit of trouble reading, can't drive, but um, making progress and the vision's getting better and we're very hopeful for the future. So did somebody ask, did your retina detached? Yeah, yeah, in a catastrophic way, kind of a, a bit weird. Um, it was bilateral simultaneous detachments in both eyes, which is extremely rare, um, but it didn't happen. It can happen to anyone at any time, but they said it is extremely rare. 
Uh, the thing is, if something like that ever does happen, if you have any retina detachment or any signs of it, is the speed that you get treatment is the cure rate. Um, within hours, you can go from being uh, relatively a high cure rate to down to zero. So minutes count in those situations. So over time, will it come back at all? Or, we, or is it coming back a little bit or just not really? Yeah, it's, it's starting to um, come back a little bit. Over, uh, I had a, uh, some cornea a transplants as well because of the medications and the surgeries that I had hurt the cornea. So I ended up having had a cornea transplant on top of it. And um, I would say over the past six months, I've regained more vision than I have in the last two years. So we're on a positive trajectory going upward. But, you know, tomorrow's a different day, and we just count the blessing day by day. Beth says she's praying for your full recovery. Um, do you know what do they what do they know what caused it? It was a what or what do you say what caused it? Um, the cause is kind of unknown. They call it idiopathic. Um, it's probably a reason there somewhere in the genetics, um, but they just can't find it. Um, like I said, it's you know one in thousands this may happen to. And if it happens, the the time frame to get to the doctor is really quick. But the reason behind it is not as important as the treatment going forward. Because once it's done, it's done. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. But you didn't stop, did you? You didn't just say, well, I can't see. Screw it. I'm not going to do nothing. Did you do that? No, what I did, it did, it did take me a few weeks to kind of rethink things. Obviously, you know, all of a sudden I'm not driving. I'm not meeting with people in person at this point. Um, so I kind of had to rethink things even down to how am I going to go shake hands? You know, how am I going to meet my customers? So we developed tactics and techniques over the last couple of years that sometimes I go meet with customers and not that I don't want to hide it from them or anything, but I don't think it's important. What's important is getting their, their contract. So sometimes I meet with these customers that could be paying us, tens of thousands of dollars and they never realized that I have a visual impairment nice. and it was just like this that I've developed, you know, to, to bypass that. And it's not, like I said, it's not that I don't want them to know it. It's just, I don't want that to get into the way of uh, our contract and our work relationship. Again, go check out Billy's channel. Um, he um, is down, like I say, in his channel. Um, what is some, um, what's a, what's your last words that you want to give encouragement or something for anybody, whether they're starting out or they're trying to get to the next level? I would say to start. I know a lot of guys that want to sit there and analyze for months. I've been talking to a couple guys that they've been trying to get up and running for the last two years. And I say, hey, come to the dance as quick as you can. There's money waiting on you. You're going to be afraid. You're going to, it's going to be daunting. There will be problems. There will be those days you want to give up, but don't give up. Keep pushing forward. And to reach out to the guys as veterans that's been through these growing pains, we're here to help. Yep. And I always say, what are the toughest two times uh, to grow in your business? One is, is to go full time. And the number two time is getting off the truck. Getting off the truck. That's a, I'm still struggling with that one. Sometimes I'll stay home for two or three days and then I got to go check on things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Getting off the truck is probably one of the hardest thing I ever did. Um, it was, you know, it was very tough to get off the truck and be able to trust people and to be able to 
just they can do it just as like I say, it's a ten, it's a fifteen dollar, twenty dollar an hour task that you know you don't need to be doing that task. You need to be working on the thousand dollar task versus the twenty dollar task. Right, but quitting your job and going full time, I probably probably I see a lot of guys struggling with that. And I get it. You know, look, if you got a, a baseline income coming in with a 40 hour a week job and you got bills to pay, you know, when do you quit? When you, you know, it's kind of it's a personal preference deal, you know. Um, but I would think a full commitment into starting your business sooner rather than later. All right, guys, that is all the time we have for today's show on today's King of Pressure Wash podcast. I know you find it as exciting as I did. If you appreciate the work we do here at King of Pressure Wash, be sure to to subscribe to the episode and give this episode a share on your favorite social media network. And if you're looking to start and grow in a pressure washing business to give yourself financial freedom, time freedom, be sure to sign up at pressurewashhelp.com. Dot com so you can become the king of pressure washing in your area.